You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Jared Walters is the owner of Centipede and Millipede Press. Thank you for joining me, Jared. Thank you. Jared, could you tell me what made, led you to found this uh, press, and under what, what were your goals when you did so? Uh, well, I think I've always been interested in, in book publishing ever since I was very, very young, maybe around 9 or 10 years old. Um, I had done fanzines and posters and things like that from an early age. One of the goals with starting Centipede and Millipede was to bring back into print horror and crime fiction classics that had fallen out of print, but to also reprint them with something different, uh, new introductions by living writers, new afterwards um, by the authors if they were still living, bonus short stories, uh, cover artwork, things of that nature that, that would give the book a little bit more of a, uh, a marketplace niche, if you will, uh, so that they could find a new audience and that there would be something more with the book than just, you know, as opposed to going to a library and picking up a used copy. Could you talk about the process of acquiring, you know, the rights to republish some of these books? I mean, these are some great books you've done and some interesting authors. How do you go about uh, getting the permission to do so? Well, the thing with that, a lot of the people are um, somewhat hard to find, especially authors that have, that have passed away. Their estates can be a little bit difficult to find, most of the time, if you contact the publisher uh, who might have done an old hardcover edition, they've been pretty, uh, pretty helpful in, in tracking down who controls the rights. Uh, could you talk about the, the selections that you've made? What was your first book you published, and then how did that lead to the next and the next? And tell us a little bit about you know, just the, the general tone of your selections, because I think it's really interesting. Well, uh, the first book that we did was a large hardcover called Stigmata, and that was an anthology of writing and art. We had a lot of good people in there. There was no real overriding theme uh, to the selections. We had Henry Miller and James Baldwin, um, essays on the German film Nosferatu, and some wood engravings by Lynn Ward and Fritz Eichenberg, along with a, a lot of other good material. Um, what happened after that was uh, I was a collector of small press limited editions back in high school, and I had always wanted to do a limited edition of Salem's Lot, but never thought that would ever happen. Oh, I have uh, to ask real quickly. I want to yes, interject. Sir. What limited editions did you collect in high school? Um, there was a publisher. The, the ones that I collected most, um, there was a publisher out of Wisconsin called Arkham House. Oh, yes, of course. A famous Arkham House. We, yeah. we love their books. And there was another one out of Los Angeles uh, run by Jeff Connor, and that was called Scream Press. Those are my favorite books of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I love those books. And I can, yeah. see why, I can see the, the relationship to you now as well. Yeah, so, so Scream, was, Scream was a big influence on me way back then. Um, I, I really liked uh, Jeff Connor. He had such uh, good design, and, and he had a lot of energy, and he was always doing interesting things. So... Um, to get back to where I was, mm -hmm. if that's all right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I had always wanted to do a limited edition of a King book um, because I thought I could do something uh, uh, rather nice, um, not too extravagant, but, but just with 
with uh, craftsmanship and binding and things like that that a lot of times you don't see in limited editions. Mm-hmm. And and my wife, you know, I never thought it would happen. And my wife um, said, well, why don't you just write him a letter and send the book? And and I got a response, and, and it was in the affirmative, so it happened like that. So that was that was the... That was the big book that said, you know, maybe I can start doing some other books as well and try to do something more than maybe one book or two books a year and try to ramp up production and, and hopefully make a living at this. Well, you have a really interesting and I think kind of an eclectic uh, selection of crime fiction books. Tell us about some of the authors you published why and why you chose them and how you managed to get permission to publish those people. Well, um, there's we did two David Goodis novels, and, and David Goodis is... He's not as well known as, say, Raymond Chandler or Dashiell Hammett, uh, but uh, he's definitely uh, on the rise in critical circles. Um, his down-and-out protagonists and, and the spare writing style that he uses uh, really create a, a bleak worldview that I, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's just, you know, he's, he's got this, this rather... Um, rather pessimistic view of humanity, but yet, nevertheless, a lot of his characters tend to attain some sort of redemption in, in some small way by the end of the novel. So there's some hope there. Um, Goodis is fantastically influential. His best work came out of the 40s and 50s. Uh, another book that we did was John Franklin Barden's The Deadly Pertron. Uh, now, you know, almost totally forgotten, it, it's still fondly remembered by people who, who follow crime fiction. And so that was a good book to put back in print. And the other one that we did, Frederick Brown's Here Comes a Candle, that is, uh, Frederick Brown wrote so well in horror, science fiction, and crime. Um, you know, he has, I don't know how many novels out there, 30-some novels and hundreds of short stories. And I thought it was important to put Brown back in print because uh, a lot of his work comes back into print, then it falls right back out again. So I thought, you know, with our new introduction from Bill Pronzini, another great living crime writer, we could we could find a new audience with the Brown book. And it's interesting. It's nice to see Brown back in print with uh, a crime fiction because he's well known for his science fiction. I think his most famous story is uh, Martians Go Home, if I'm not right. mistaken, which is made into, I, I believe, a really terrible movie. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, yeah, I think it was actually. I'm I'm not familiar with it, but his science fiction has been kept in print pretty well. I think the New England Fi- Science Fiction Association has has put a large, a couple large collections back in print. But the crime is is, you know, nowhere to be seen. So we've actually got three more novels of his coming out, including Mad Ball, which is a really uh, scarce and unknown book. So so we're looking forward to that. Now, you have two, two kind of publishing arms. There's Centipede, and these are, are if I'm not mistaken, the Centipede books are more the um, uh, reprints of classics, nicely done, and the Millipedes seem to be the mind-bogglingly extreme uh, limited editions. And you've got a great new one out uh, of art inspired by Lovecraft. Yeah, actually, and it's, it's completely reversed. Oh. The, uh, <laughs> the Millipedes are actually the, the more affordable uh, reprints. And then the centipede are more deluxe and a little bit more extravagant. Um, yeah, artists inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, that started a couple years ago. I've been doing a series called Masters of the Weird Tale. Um, large hardcovers, about 900 pages or so. Uh, just the best fiction by individual authors. And we've got two books out. 
Um, the Lovecraft one is just coming out in June or July. And initially, I thought of illustrating the Lovecraft, and then uh, once I started looking at all the 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 vast amounts of illustration that had been done, there was just no way to to include that with the book in any way. So that was when I thought of the idea of of putting all of it together in a really nice um, oversized hardcover with detailed views and fold-out pages and things like that. Um, we arranged the book pretty much chronologically. There's individual sections on, on a lot of the artists, and, and a few writers did some uh, fantastic essays on, on, the, on these artists, like Richard Taylor, who did cartoons for The New Yorker. He did some Arkham House dust jackets, and nobody knows much about them. So um, we, had, we had some essays uh, dig, up, dig up some information and write some, write some good pieces about these artists. So there's a lot to read in there as, as well as to look at. And I know that notice that you have a a penchant for the work of I believe both J.K. Potter and Harry O. Morris, both uh, fa- my favorite screen press illustrated books were with those guys. The Dennis Etchison collections yeah. were phenomenal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's that's you know part of my youth, I guess. So um, I've been a big fan of both Morris's and Potter's artwork, um, and I've been fortunate enough to get to know them over the last you know, 10 or 15 years. So, um, you know, they're still active in the field. They're still doing great work. And, and Potter, both those two together, I think, really presaged a lot of the uh, current wave of uh, digital effects. I think that there are visions of, uh, there are kind of photojournalistic visions, um, really presaged a lot of what we see today on this, on both on movies and on book covers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Potter, especially with his with his body morphing, um, when he first did the image, there was a really famous one of a of a head on a hand running across a piano, mm-hmm. and and that was that was such a, such a such a shocking image to look at, um, hands with mouths, um, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, just almost absurd uh, things that he would put together uh, back in the eighties before you know, Photoshop was, was really being used in any way. He was doing all this work in a dark room. And that's what that's what's so remarkable about it. Now now it a lot of these images have almost become passe in a way because the effects that he did, you know, can be done one would think so easily on a computer, but it still takes a huge amount of skill. But but what he was doing back then, yeah, like you said, it really presaged what's going on now. Um, I think Harry O. Morris's work too. He was getting into darkroom effects and and early um, early scans of his work onto the computer and manipulating it there long, long before anybody was doing that sort of thing. And now, tell us about some of the, the uh, current. Uh, um, I guess they'd be millipede editions, and that would be, for example, we've you've got a. Uh, New copy of the other coming out soon. Uh, a, a classic and very influential book. I, I think it, in many ways it was the the inception of the horror boom of the '80s. Really started with the other and The Exorcist. Yeah, absolutely. And the third book with that would be Rosemary's Baby from 1967. And then, yeah, The Exorcist and the other both came out in the early '70s. Those three are generally considered as as the three big books that started the whole horror boom. Of the 1970s, I, I guess you would you would have to include Carrie by Stephen King in that, which came out in 1974. 
Um, the other is, is such a, uh, a beautiful tale, actually, uh, wonderfully written, very lyrical. And, and I think its influence, even though the other has fallen out of print, um, nobody seems to exactly know why, although I've, I've heard some theories. But, um, well, what are those theories? Well, you know, what I've heard, uh, uh, Bob Gottlieb um, was Tom Tryon's agent or editor, uh, back at Random House, I believe, mm-hmm. and and a, a lot of the times an author would would have his work kind of shepherded through the process by an editor who really took care of of that author. Mm-hmm. Um, on occasion, when when an editor would leave a house, right, and maybe mm-hmm. not join another publishing house, maybe go into some other line of work, um, authors would be left stranded uh, in a way. So, and I think uh, when Tom Tryon died in '91, um, he he had been doing some sort of series of historical novels, and he had written another horror novel which had done pretty well, uh, called The Night of the Moonbow. Um, I remember that book. Yeah, and but I, I think I think when after he died, Gottlieb left the house where Tryon was having his work published, and and you know it just fell by the way. You know nobody really picked it up. Now, you're a small press distributor, uh, small press. Can you talk about distributing your books, or, and do you sell a lot over the Internet? Um, well, with the Centipede and, and our hardcover titles, we do, we do a lot of our business over the Internet. We have a few dealers, um, some brick-and-mortar shops and some online dealers that buy our books because they have a dedicated audience. You know, they have several buyers that buy their books directly from them. Um, our paperbacks... And a couple of our hardcovers are distributed through consortium book sales and distribution. Mm-hmm. They're based out of St. Paul, and they've recently been, they were recently acquired by Perseus Group, book group out of Tennessee. Oh, Perseus, yes. I, I know Perseus well. One of my, actually, one of my friends used to work for Perseus. Oh, is that right? Yes. Okay. Could you talk a little bit about, there's a lot of interesting uh, additions in the other. Uh, can you talk, are they, first off, are all the additions in uh, the, the extra things, are they all in both editions, the hardcover and the trade paperback? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's nice. So tell us a little bit about the things, the extras that are in there, because there's quite a few of them. Well, there's not a whole lot, really. Um, there's, there's a new introduction by Ramsey Campbell, um, and then, uh, and that's, that's a good piece, and then... Um, Tom Tryon's friend, uh, C. Robert Holloway, did the afterword. And then Harry Morris did a fantastic cover for us. And, and we also used, um, he also did like five or six interiors as well. I think five, if I'm not mistaken. So um, the only difference between the hardcover and the paperback mm-hmm. is that in the hardcover, the, the artwork interiors are printed in color. Ooh, nice. Whereas in the paperback, they're, they're, they, they, which is coming out in September, they'll be printed in black and white. Well, I've always found uh, Morris to be effective in black and white. It kind of adds to the creepiness of, of this. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's 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 superb in black and white, and and these works are are really among his best. They've been they've been getting quite a bit of attention, actually. Could you talk about what you have forthcoming? Well, we have um, Child of Rage by Jim Thompson. Mm. Uh, all of Thompson's books are available in paperback from Vintage uh, when they first started the Black Lizard line, although now it's just called Vintage Crime. Um, however, Child of Rage has been out of print for a long time. There was a small hardcover 
um, rather undistinguished that was published in the early 90s. Um, so for our new edition, uh, we have the complete novel. There's a new introduction by Ed Gorman. There's an interview with uh, Thompson's publisher, his paperback publisher from the 50s. Wow. And there's also a related uh, short story called A Horse in the Baby's Bathtub. Um, and it's, it's a pretty long piece. It's about 35 pages or so. so. So that's coming out. We should have that available in maybe another month and a half. That sounds good. And then um, John Ferris, uh, who's a, a great writer's writer. Um, a lot of people might remember him from The Fury. That was one of his more popular books from the 70s. And actually, there's uh, a brand new uh, The End of the Fury series just released in hardcover. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think Avenging Fury is Avenging the final. Fury. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I've just heard they're going to be remaking the film as well. Yeah, yeah. It may or so. may not be uh, good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and and Ferris is is a, a quiet guy. He doesn't uh, he doesn't like shop talk. He doesn't work very hard at self promotion. Um, he just uh, quietly goes about his work, producing some really uh, great novels in the genre. He's written in crime. He's written in mainstream with uh, Harrison High, which was one of his first big books. And he's written well on the horror field, too. Um, we have one of his suspense books called Sharp Practice uh, coming out in a new edition. And that should be out in probably another couple months. And then there's another writer named Jack Cady, um, who wrote a great horror novel back in the early 80s called The Well. Oh, yes, yeah, Jack Cady. Scary yeah. stuff. Yeah, and and he was one of those guys that just, he wrote extremely well in every field that he did as well. So we've got The Will coming out, and we've got uh, four bonus stories that we're including with that. So including a couple early pieces, kind of more, um, you know, more slice-of-life pieces, and then a, a science fiction story as well. Um, that, sounds, that sounds great, actually. Yeah. We've so those are, some, those are some of the new titles that'll, that'll be on their way, and... We're also doing the Book of the New Sun series by Gene Wolfe. Really? Yeah, yeah. We've got a that's a large, oversized edition with some uh, color artworks from a German artist that we've been doing. So we've got the first volume out called The Shadow of the Torturer, and we're hard at work on on the second book called The Claw of the Conciliator. Well, that would be great. That's not, I'm that, I'm. Those books are, are quite classic. It'd be nice to have a nice uh, limited edition of those. Yeah, and, and Gene Wolfe is is just such a master of the language. You know, it, it's been, you know, that that book, the Book of the New Sun, published in five volumes, has really been considered like the Ulysses of, of science fiction. Yeah, no, it, and it, it it evokes strong reactions on both and on both ends of the spectrum. I know some people who absolutely worship it, and I know somebody who literally threw the book across the room <laughs> because yeah. they were so disappointed. I mean, not because the writing was bad, but more so because the the they were did not like the resolution. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that would. Yeah, and yeah, that that could do something to you if, if you're looking for something a little bit more climatic. Um, and then writers have commented on on, on Gene Wolfe's style as well, um, you know, because it's because it's so poetic, and and it actually, you know, it's, as maudlin as this may sound, I mean, I mean, Wolfe's prose can actually move you to tears. I mean, it is, it it is beautiful what happens to his characters and and the things that happen in the book, you know, it can be uh, fairly profound. So. He's definitely one of the, the masters of the genre and, and a guy who gets respect outside of the genre, too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Yeah. We've been speaking with Jared Walters. He's the publisher of Centipede and Millipede Press. Thank you for joining me, Jared. Thank you, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.